Welcome to the Colonial Church STA podcast. My name is Pastor Matt McClory. I'm so glad you could take the time to listen to this message. Wow. Look where we are. We can't even believe it. Finally, hey family, you can take your seats. Look, at you can have the fur rug. Do you want me to take the fur? Yeah, you take the fur. I think it suits you. You guys, you guys are awesome. Aren't by the they way. the best? Thank you. And that is the smallest keyboard I've ever seen. Smaller than an accordion? Let me nope. see. <laughs> he does play the accordion. He might get harassed about that a little and teased a little, but he's actually a really good accordion player. That's what attracted her to me. I, <laughs> I wish. No. In, in my dreams. <laughs> actually, um, we have grandkids, and I love grandkids because they're a lot smarter than adults because they love accordion. We have a granddaughter that turns 22 today. How today, does that happen? 22. 22. I don't know what happened, you know? Like... So shall we talk about how excited we are to be here? Oh, we are over the moon thrilled to be here at this beginning stages of this amazing church with your pastors, which we, we <laughs> you absolutely can't, We couldn't adore begin them. to put in words how much we love them. We really do. I might get emotional because we've loved them for a long time. And I uh, think that you, I was saying earlier, I said, I wonder if your church could ever begin to fathom how blessed they are to have you. Um, I know that you know that, but they're loved around the world. And here they live in, uh, hello, what a beautiful part of the world you live in. <laughs> Seriously, we're just going to move here. We're going to be your new relatives. And... Uh, <laughs> I just think, I mean, we're, John and Maddie are already making plans about where we could live. He's found and, me a tent already. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just what a beautiful part of the world. But we met in Australia, as so many of our friends, uh, we met in, at Hillsong, beautiful Hillsong. And we would see Jill up on the platform, and she would be leading us in worship, and Maddie would be with all the cool guys and uh, hanging out, just looking cool in his skinny jeans. And uh, yeah. With his cool accent, and what a great couple. Stealth. And, uh, <laughs> stealth. They don't know that? I didn't even know that, was his, that he had another name. I thought his name was Stealth. And uh, so, anyhow, being here is the, just the joy But of in Australia, life. you never get called by your name. No. It's always something else. There's always a nickname to it. So that's his nickname. And my name's Helen, and I said, you couldn't possibly shorten Helen. That would be unfortunate to call me hell, and uh, <laughs> which might be appropriate, but uh, <laughs> they said, oh, no, we'd call you Helly. I'm like, yeah, call me Helen. <laughs> she has been known as Mount St. Helen. Yes, anyhow. We're just going to start there and talk about how we got the relationship gig. It's because of Mount St. Helens, which yeah, is a volcano. Yeah, let me just ask her questions, and then she can keep yeah, no. filling all the blanks. So how did we get this relationship gig? Because you were really hard to live with. I think that's where it all started. <laughs> it had nothing to do with me, did it? Is anybody uh, married in this room? Wow. Anyone married longer than 43 years? Anyone? We okay, are the oldest people in the, in the room. room. Singles? Yay. 
Oh, great. Awesome. Beautiful. That's awesome. a healthy church. Yeah. We could help you out a little if you want it. You might not want any help, but we might be able to help. But, but um, if you're single, you're often looking for that perfect person because it's going to make life so easy. <laughs> I have some bad news for you. First of all, there's no such thing as a perfect person. But secondly, there's no such thing as an easy relationship. All relationships are going to cost you. And it's well worth everything it costs you, but there's no such thing as easy. And if, if you're married or you're in a relationship and you're having struggles and, and it's difficult, you're normal. That's very, very normal. The only thing you have to do is don't give up. Don't quit. Keep looking for answers. And, um, you know, it's, church is amazing. This is, this is supernatural ground. Not only are we learning stuff from what we hear and you're getting some mental intellect, but there's a spiritual component to it that you cannot understand. That God will go way beyond what you can imagine. Think. Like we will say things, but you'll hear different things. And it's because the Holy Spirit is speaking. And it's church literally is the ground for miracles. And miracles are happening even in here tonight. So I'm, I'm so thrilled thrilled that you're here. Really, it's, it's going to make a difference for generations. And we, you know, we talked about how blessed you are because you have these two as pastors. I want you to know how blessed they are because yeah. they have you. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. It takes both. Yeah. And there you just stop. So uh, <laughs> he usually lets me do all the talk. So, you know, when we met in high school, he actually was a middle linebacker on Killarney High School football team. And he was in grade 12, and I was in grade 10, and I was a cheerleader. I know it's hard to believe, but I really was a cheerleader. And I just saw Johnny Burns really across short the field. Skirts. Really short skirts, yeah. But um, we <laughs> don't do that anymore, but we, uh, <laughs> we, uh, we met in high school. And, uh, and so he was kind of the bad boy in high school, and I was a good little Christian girl. And I wasn't supposed to date a boy like him, but boy, he was cute. And so I had all the wrong reasons for starting a relationship, but actually all I did was tell my sister, boy, that Johnny Burns sure is cute, and she told someone who told him. And he asked me out, and that's yeah, our so relationship Yeah, so let me tell you, when, when the guy told me, he said, there's this girl that wants to, that, that likes you. You should go out with her. And I never that, said I actually liked you. I just said you were he cute. He told me that yeah. she liked me. And you should go out with her. And that didn't get my attention. Why? Because I stuttered Did he ever? really bad. Yeah. I just, I'd never talked to a girl up to that point. I was afraid of girls. I like to think about them, look at them, and all, but, but not talk to them. <laughs> but then he said, this was the key. Then he said to me, but if you do talk to her, don't mention God or she'll talk your ear off. She's one of those Christians. Well, I didn't know what a Christian was. I've been to church every Sunday of my life, but I didn't know if I was a Christian. And something went snap on the inside of me. And the next thing I remember, I was actually talking to her. I found her, and I convinced her to skip out of school with me for the afternoon. <laughs> That's how we started. And I promise you, it was the first time I ever skipped class, but it was worth it. And uh, if there's teenagers in here, that was a bad thing to do. <laughs> And to date someone as young as we were. But anyhow, the rest of the story is we got married. Um, sure, I got, after I graduated from high school, I was 18 years old, madly in love. John was 21, and we got married, as you do. Thought we knew everything, thought we knew enough about relationships, and set off on a great adventure. Both of our parents had great marriages, and, you know, we had it all set. 
and uh, started out with going to church. That was our early days of church, and yet John, right after we got married, um, got accepted into dental school. So he started, he was finishing up his university degree, so for the next four years, he was at the University of uh, British Columbia. But also, to put himself through school every Friday and Saturday night, he played in a band the accordion. And, you know, thank God for the accordion because it put him through dental school and we came out the other side without hardly a debt. I was the polka king. You were the polka king. And, uh, but it made good money when your rent's only about 125 bucks a month a thousand years ago. And we survived. And, but every night he'd come home late after playing in the band about two in the morning and I wanted to go to church Sunday morning, but you didn't want to go anymore with me. So what did I do? I just put on Christian music and blared it really loud, and and then I put on, you know, left the Bible open everywhere, which just made him mad at me. So, anyhow, long story short, we pursued. I I got pregnant really quickly after we got married. Ten and a half months after we were married, Angela Sunshine was born. Fourteen months later, Danica Joy was born, and then another two and a half years later, our youngest daughter was born when I was pregnant, or was I was pregnant when John graduated from dentistry. But there we found ourselves now in a very difficult marriage. And what we had dreamt would be the marriage of our dreams. Nothing would ever go wrong. And and it wasn't because of any abuse or any infidelity, but our marriage was very, very broken. And eventually I stopped going to church too. We didn't go to church. I stopped reading my Bible. I I just, you know, I was this on-fire little Christian in high school, and now our marriage was suffering. Our children were suffering. And me personally, I felt like the greatest failure in the world. And what happened when John graduated is Dr. John Burns, he had set up to start a brand new um, dental practice and built a brand new house. We built it up in northern British Columbia, about 350 miles away. And so just as the time he was getting ready to go up there to move, I said, I'm not going to come with you. I just can't leave here. I just don't want to leave here. I'm afraid of what's going to happen. Our marriage, there was a lot of animosity. There was a lot of yelling and screaming, mostly me, Mount St. Helens, and him a lot of just leaving the house and not wanting to be around us. And of course, in that place, when your marriage is broken, where your dreams are shattered, on the outside, and this is, I think, what often is the case for us, anyone looking at John and Helen would have thought, what a lovely couple. Look at them with their beautiful family. Look at them with their beautiful new practice in their home. And every, it, it just looked ideal from the outside. But no one could have guessed that on the inside we had imploded. And our hearts were broken. And we were living, um, maybe we had been living in the same home all those years, but we had grown further and further apart. And every relationship takes a lot of work. You don't get a great marriage. You don't get a great friendship. You don't build a great church with a lot of, without a lot of investment. And we thought, we love each other. That's enough. That should be enough to carry us through. However, love has a cost to it. There's the things that you do. It's not just this automatic. It's not just infatuation that's going to get you to where you want to go. So long story short, now we're living in two different cities. And I'm devastated. I'm absolutely heartbroken, as is John. He's like, I can't, I, I can't believe we're here. Like, you're going to give it all up. And so I stayed behind in Vancouver as John went up there and launched the practice. And uh, after a few months, I um, had really come to the end of myself. I was just devastated that I could find myself here. And so what I did one night is I uh, tucked two little girls, Angela and Danica, into bed. And I remember looking at my big pregnant stomach and thinking, what have you done? But in that place, I made the smartest decision I ever could. And I went back into my bedroom, got on my knees, and I cried out to God. And somehow I felt like I was such a failure and such a disappointment to God. But in that moment, I want you to know God met me. 
And I didn't feel condemnation. I didn't feel the judgment of God. I felt the warmth and the love of God in that room on my knees that day. And I gave it to Jesus. And I said, Jesus, I've had life with you and I've had life without you. And I don't want to live another day without you. And God met me there. My circumstances hadn't changed. John was still living up north. I was here, but now I began to take up my Bible, and I began to read it again. But I began to read it like, God, show me who I am. I know that you love me. Show me who I am. And revelation began to just come into my heart, just like a hungry little girl. Even though I'd grown up in church, now it was this fresh new relationship with Jesus and his word. And he began to teach me. And then I took that Bible, and I'm telling you, I underlined every scripture that I could find that talked about a woman of God, a man of God, um, a family. And I began to write my name or John's name, my children's name in the margins. And that Bible became my life. And so I began to change. And soon I'd be calling John up north, and he'd answer the phone, the old-fashioned phone that you'd pick up on, on the wall. And he would think, like, who is this? This can't be my wife. She's nice. Because <laughs> I had been going through a heart change, and God had met me. And so long story short, we moved up to, uh, I moved up with the family. I had our last daughter, Ashley, up north. And we began life. We got back into a church. We began to sow our hearts into that church and, and, and uh, go through a tremendous transformation. But what needed to happen is we needed to learn tools and skills how to rebuild a, a relationship. And so for us, it was a rebuilding. And every one of us at times will have to rebuild some kind of a relationship in our life. It, it won't ever need to be as broken as ours was. But whether it's a marriage, whether it's a family, whether it's a neighbor, whether it's a classmate or someone you work with, or um, it's just always going to be every healthy relationship needs to progress. It needs to move forward. And I think often what we do, like I did in those early days, is I just thought if we love each other, it's going to progress. Nothing progresses without a lot of hard work. If you think of a beautiful garden, a beautiful orchard, God gives all of the tools. He brings the sun and the rain, but it's going to take us applying effort and, and investing into the health of the soil and, and, and the foundation of every single relationship. And our story is a miracle story. But it's a story of us connecting to God, but in that way, connecting to each other. And just this one thought, I have this scripture that I just wanted to share with you. It's such a simple one, but, um, oh, it, is this, yeah, well, I'll start here. Sorry, there's several. But it, that I want to share. Sorry, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 18, it says, the ways of right living people glow with light. The longer they live, the brighter they shine. And so this is about progress. And there's a scripture in, in uh, uh, Proverbs that also says to roll your works over on the Lord. And, what it, and, and then your ways will be prosperous. But to roll towards or commit. We're, um, we're going to talk more about that. And I think there was a day that John and I made a commitment which commit means roll towards. And I, I heard Jill say this earlier. She said, look toward, lean into God. And that's what relationships look like, where we roll into one another. We don't roll away from one, what we roll toward, which is we commit to one another. And in that place, miracles begin to happen. So wherever you are today, you can always have so much more, but it's going to take you rolling toward. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of things we've learned over the years, and we want to share some of that with you. Recognizing that love that doesn't cost 
It's just a feeling. It's just an emotion. Love always costs. And you can measure love by what it costs you. And God's always keeping books. There's nothing wasted. So anytime you act out of love, you're, you're what Helen said you're rolling toward. And if you, you want your relationship to end up like we were, messed up, you know what you need to do? Nothing. Just do nothing. It'll end up there. Just do nothing and you will, you will fall apart. You'll, 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 you know, everything will fall apart. And often people say, what, you know, what, why did we get this place? Because we started, we stopped investing in each other. We stopped doing those things that you need to do to meet the needs of each other. We didn't even know what they were anymore. Yeah. But um, going back into her story, when I was 350 miles away and she was praying different prayers, like instead of, God, help my dumb husband, you know, that's not a good prayer. Instead, she said, God, I thank you that you gave me a great husband, and he, he is a man of God, and he's a man of integrity. And she was taking what God said, yes. not what she saw, but what God saw. You know, she, she got to the place, really, I think this is amazing, where one day she, she's, okay, God, I know you love me, and I believe you love John, too. Could you show me why? Because really, when she looked, she didn't see it. And we need to look, what does God see? And then begin to pray those kind of prayers. And when I was 350 miles away, this miracle started happening on the inside of me. I'd get up Sunday morning with a weird thinking, I want to go to church. And then I'd, I'd come and I'd sit in the back row. Why? So I could be the first one out. But for some reason, I was the last one out. Because yeah. something began to happen. Our life got so changed in church where we met people yeah. that, that loved us. We, we got to see some, some people that were at where we wanted to be. And there's yeah. nothing that yeah. replaces vision. Yeah. I think one of the greatest reasons you're in church is because who's in church? Mm -hmm. People say, I'm in church because of God. He's everywhere. But, but it's, it's the people. We get to hang out yeah. together. Yeah. And it's miraculous what happens. Yeah. And you get a vision. And, and once you get a vision, once you see... Now, now you, you, it might take you, you know, a while, but you can get there. But you can't have what you can't see. If you've never seen a great marriage, really, you can't get lucky. And every single one of us are on that journey. And so one of the things that we recognized is, I, and I actually think Helen recognized it before me, but, um, you know, she was leaving the, the Bible open and Christian music on and, and underlined John 3.16, and um, really, uh, if you would ask her, what's the problem with your marriage? She would give you a one-word answer, John. <laughs> and really, I, there was a lot of problems with me. But really, God never starts to change by changing the other person. The only person that you can work on is yourself. And she began to work on this journey of herself and it changed my life. I mean, I'd get up and God began to do miracles in my life. And church was so amazing. And just give you how amazing it was. I was a dentist. I was, I was you know, God got a hold of our life. And I was, I was an evangelist, a dentist, making lots of money, traveling. Just on, on an average, I'd lead one person a day to the Lord in my clinic. Mm -hmm. So everything was going great. But someone asked me one day, I said, John, you can do anything you want with the rest of your life. Just answer this. What's the best? I didn't have to think. It's church. So 32 years ago, I hung up my dental drills and launched out and we planted a church. And really, that's why I love 
church. Every time I'm in a church, I'd like a kid in a candy shop. Why? Because it's miracle ground. It changed my life. And I know it can change yours too. So uh, we just got a few thoughts that we wrote down. Sorry, I, we kind of rambled on a story. We kind of feel like we're family here. We're just going to, you know, chat. <laughs> yeah, we're going to buy a house here. We're going to live here. I just think it is. Let's just prophesy. <laughs> Number one, I, we've just got uh, a list of five things we're just going to pop through quickly. But I'm going to start with maybe the most important part. We're not just talking about marriage. I'm talking about every single relationship. Our marriage may be going great, but we might have struggle in another area. But one of the, the only place we can start to really begin the process to progress, to get to where we want to be, is when you start out with you. One of my favorite scriptures is in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23. I don't think I can hardly teach a message without going there. And it says, pay attention to your own heart because it'll affect everything you do. In some translations, it talks about it will determine the course of your life. And it's literally the truth. And I would have stood there for a long time and believed it's not my fault that I'm here. It's not my fault. It's his fault. It's somebody else's fault. It's not my fault. And I remember when I really was serious about wanting to to change and to grow and really roll over onto God, all of the cares and the worries of my life and the fears about being a single mom and all the rest, God said, can I start with your heart? Can I just go there? And God gave me the most beautiful gift in a scripture in Psalm 51 and verse 6 that talks about about, um, knowing your own heart, just what is going on in my own heart. And sometimes it's hidden to us. We don't even know what it is. Sometimes we have grown up in a way that is perhaps where you grew up in a household or just your history, whatever it could be. You may have been so hurt in a relationship in the past and someone's disappointed you and now trust is an issue or unforgiveness is an issue. It could be any gamut of things. But the bottom line is to progress in any area, progress, if I'm saying it in in American, Progress is the same word, but it's just the Canadian version and the Australian version. But um, if we want to progress in our relationships, it has to start with checking on your own heart. And so I think that is the most important work we'll ever do, and we will be doing it for the rest of our lives. There are so many times I'm irritated with somebody or I'm, I'm upset about stuff, and I just feel like I can't deal with this, and I feel the Holy Spirit say, let's go to work on you. Before you say anything, before you have an outburst, before you have a judgment, can I deal with your heart first? And that doesn't mean everything is okay now in the relationship, but the starting point has to be you and me. How am I? Am I willing to forgive? Am I ready to let go? Or do I just want to have a fight? Or do I, do I just want to have an opinion? And, and can I say this? I think there is something diabolical happening in the world right now. It's ramped up in a way that I've never seen in my lifetime. It's noisy out there. It's noisy. Opinions. It's, 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 it's segregating us more than ever. Are you with them? Or are you with them? Are you this? Or are you that? And, and I just feel like everything is pushing us to a place of, of you have to be right and you have to have opinion and I feel like God is inviting us as as believers to get his opinion on things which is often settle things in your own heart you don't have to say anything pick the right fights but start with checking your own heart first take the pointed finger away let God deal with you and then have conversations and such that are going to be building rather than creating more devastation yeah that's great The second key that I think is so important is commitment. And if you travel the world, like we get to do, we, we really do hit 
all the continents and, and go lots of places talking about relationships. And typically we would um, do a seminar or something and we'd end up with Q&A, my favorite thing. And everywhere you'll get the same question, where are all the good men? They're here. <laughs> everywhere. We're here. We've we seen them. try to tell them they're in St. Augustine. They are. <laughs> really? Um, and then the second question you'll get is, why are guys so afraid of commitment? And I love speaking to men because I think you just don't know. And you need to have permission to be you. Because you need to understand, guys, you were committed in the image of commitment. Commitment is love that doesn't stop. Commitment is love over time. And God is love. But his love was shown when Jesus committed himself. He, he, he gave it all. And that's what commitment is. You know what marriage is? Marriage is the commitment. And you, you actually have to weigh what it's going to cost you. Okay, count the cost. And people say, how much is going to cost? Everything. Yeah. Everything. Yeah. It's going to cost everything. Your past, present, and future. Everything you have. You say, well, it's not worth it. Then don't get married. Right. And... People think marriage, you know, it's 50-50. No, it isn't. Uh-uh. It's 100-0. You step in with no guarantee of anything in return, and it's a count-the-cost thing that is so important. I think the greatest blessing of marriage is you found somebody worth giving your life to. Because yeah. Jesus said you want to find your life, you got to give it. Yeah. I think the beginning of life is giving your life. And, and so many people are broken because they haven't given it. Once you are committed, it's like if I stand on the edge of this, this, this stage and I'm, and I'm ready to jump, I'm not committed until my feet leave the ground. Then I'm committed. Then it's a done deal. But marriage is the commitment of love for a lifetime. And love always moves. Love is, Helen says this all the time, love is a heart that moves. And in other words, there's no such thing as static love. Love is always growing. It's always progressing. It's always, it's always moving. And marriage is the commitment. Count the costs and make the commitment to love more and more. We've been married for 43 years, and we'll tell people, you know, we're going to have an anniversary coming up. You're 44th. They'll go, congratulations, you made it. It's as if the goal was to survive 44 years. That's not the goal. The goal is to love, but love grows. I've heard people say many times, oh, I wish I loved you the way I did in our honeymoon. Why? Why do you want to go backwards? That's, that's, that's not, that, that was great, but it's, it should be greater today. It's like, it's like the verse, Proverbs 4.18. It just gets better and better and better and better, really. And, and if, if you understand what love is, you understand what commitment is, because commitment is love that doesn't end, love that doesn't quit, Love that doesn't quit. You want to win? Just don't quit. Just don't quit. You say, well, I don't feel the same way. So what? Love's not a feeling. Love's a commitment. And when you make the commitment, it's not just about you. There's generations on the other side of it. You could never count the apples in the seed that you are. But that's what love's all about. It's, it's, it's a commitment. Sorry. And so, why are you sorry? That was good. I like that. But commitment, we're talking, I mean, he's 
saying it in the context of marriage, but I think every growing relationship. I have gorgeous friends, and when I say gorgeous, I mean just amazing friends around the world. I have a beautiful family. I, I am committed to, I'm, we're committed to our church. I mean, that's the heart. We, our church, John and I, just are going through transition in our church. But it's not we're going away. We're staying. We're here till we die. Bury us in the backfield. But, but we're here. We're not going anywhere. We might, things could get tough over the years, but we've never left. We don't plan on leaving. We're here. We've given our life, period. Can My I just ch- interject? Keep, keep your thought. One of the well, best... that's hard work. What, <laughs> work, then. <laughs> one, one of the best... One of the best lines that I've ever heard, and we've, we've heard it many, many times now, but it was Helen that started this. When we're in one of those heated conversations, you ever been there? You ever been there? Where there's a wall They're a million miles high here. between they the two of you? And, 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 <laughs> she would say to me, John, I'm not going anywhere. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. See, that takes the wall down. You've got time. You're not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And, but I think we need to have those level of relationships. There's nothing like marriage because you become one. But I have many committed relationships that I have committed. There are some people right now, the truth is I am really disappointed in them. I'm angry with them, but I have forgiven them and I'm committed to them. And I'm believing one day they'll be back in my world. That's my faith. That's what I believe for. Why? Because I'm committed. Not when they behave well. Not when everything's just easy. I am committed. They might have walked out of our lives, but you know what? I'm looking for them to come home again. I just am, because that's the commitment that I have. And so number three is about... You know, because she just mentioned, you know, people that, that, that kind of mess up or do something wrong or leave or whatever. Um, if you want to have a, be great at relationships, you have to really get great at forgiving. A great marriage is made up of two great forgivers. Every great relationship. So why don't you bring up number three? This is kind of your favorite. It's about fighting. Oh. <laughs> well, every problem in relationships is typically always going to be solved by communication. Communication is always the key. People ask me all the time, what's the hardest part of, of marriage? Communication. What's the hardest part of friendship? Communication. Communication is so much more than talking. Oh, yeah. It's so much more even than listening. Communication is actually connecting. And the thing about connecting is you don't connect till you connect. Brilliant, right? Well, it's like trying to get on Wi-Fi, right? You get into a room and, and you're trying to get on Wi-Fi and you, it's available, it's accessible in the room. But until you, you know, that little ball that just goes round and round and finally it's the check, you connected. And I think that's what we need to do in relationships is not just talk and assume that they've heard. Assumption is the lowest level of understanding. Make sure the heart has actually, we've downloaded the information that they wanted us to know. And that takes effort, it takes time, it takes intentionality. Don't just think, well, they know how I feel. Don't, don't be that person. Be that person that is willing to do whatever. And so for us, communication, I mean, I grew up in a family that was very communicative. We talked through stuff after dinner, you know, we'd put the dishes away, then we'd get back around the table and mom and dad would have a cup of coffee and we'd just all chat. We were allowed to disagree at the table. We worked stuff out. Uh, we said, we love you. Um, often it was just a very normal part of our relationship. Now, John's family loved each other immensely. Eleven children in his family. No one had a chance to talk. It's just eat and get out of here because we have to start the next meal and do laundry. 
His mother is, was the most greatest miracle worker. But I love you wasn't expressed, and, and that kind of affection. And so what we needed to figure out was how do we do this together? Because so often we think we're right, the way I do it is right. And um, John could think, well, that's not the way it needs to be. The way I do it is right. What we need to do is learn how to collaborate and come together and figure out what works in every individual relationship. We have three daughters born in three and a half years. Every one of them I connect with differently. And I love them immensely, each one of them, but I don't talk to them all the same way. Their heart works a little different. So my job as a mom is to make sure we're connected, each individually. And I think every relationship demands that. If you want the best of the best relationships, be willing to do the hard work, to, to get out of work. Well, I'm not like that. I don't, I don't do that. Well, you know what? You can have a low level or you can have a great great level to get out of ourselves to do what sometimes isn't easy but it's worth it to have the level of relationship you can have I know you finish I want to tell you <laughs> I want to tell you a story I've told a million times and Maddie re reminded me of it it's the first time that he heard me and he remembers this story and um, uh, this was 34 years ago actually I was a dentist uh, now is I was an evangelist traveling all over and had three little girls at home and away from home too long and I had this great idea and I, I picked up this little card a kid's card and my oldest daughter Angela was eight years old put it on her pillow said dear Angela would you please be me a special date Thursday night love daddy never heard of it before just thought it was a cool idea um, changed my life Got home on Thursday night and never forget, walked through the front door and we had a staircase that goes up like this and I looked up and out stepped the queen. Aww. Eight years old, okay? You know what, eight years old with the perfect hair, a little bit of a daddy dress, which means lots of frills. Her chin literally was up like this and this was her walk down the stairs. It's the wedding walk. Every little girl practices for the most important man, and I didn't know it was me. My heart just jumped, went up, put my best black suit on, took my date by the arm, opened the car door, went to this amazing restaurant, had a candlelight dinner together, and then I thought, how do you talk to an eight-year-old? <laughs> really? I loved her with all my heart. I would have taken a bullet for her without thinking, but I had no idea what was going on in her world. But I began to ask if you know, fish a little bit, you know, like, what do you do all day? Um, <laughs> do you have friends? Uh, I didn't know anything. But as she began to open up, you see, intimacy is into me, see. She began to open up. Oh, I'll never forget it. It, was, it changed my life. And I made this discovery. And I think when I talk about communication and what it really is, this is where I learned it. Yeah. I made this discovery. Everyone has their own world. Everyone even an eight-year-old. And her world's just as important as mine. And she wants me in her world, but I need to want to. I need to want to see through her eyes, hear through her ears, walk a mile in her shoes. That's what connect is. And I think if you want to, to have this amazing relationship, just stay amazed. People often ask us, how do you stay in love for a lifetime? Just two words I say, stay amazed. It's your choice. You can get bored if you want. I mean, you can board with anybody. I know people that are bored with the Lord. Guess whose problem that is? Okay? 
But this person that you're building a relationship with or you're married to is created in the image of God. How could you ever exhaust how amazing they are? And you need to always continually want to discover. It's a treasure hunt, really, really. Think about relationships as a treasure hunt, and you will never exhaust the treasure. And if you do, the one that wins is you because you're the one that stays amazed and stays in love. You know, John still dates. That started, that was the first. Um, and for the last, however, he dated our girls when they were little and until they got married. Once a month, they all had a date with daddy. And today he dates them. Just last week, he's out on a date with his daughters as well. Now he has all these grandchildren to date as well. He dates me also, which is really lovely. I dated my, <laughs> my daughters for about three or four months and I had a brainwave. This is so good. Why don't I date my wife? Because what happened, it wasn't a one-time discovery. It's living in discovery of the people that God places in your life. Just as you come here tonight and, and you love this church and you want to help build it and how magnificent it is, the reality is you will, like anybody, because the devil's always working to pull you out. You just need to know there's an enemy that is out to kill, steal, and destroy. And the thing he hates the most is healthy relationships that are, that are connected into God because we are his enemy. And so we have to be aware of him, not afraid of him, just aware of him. And so as much as you think, I could never be pulled out, I could never, well, you just have to realize commitment is costly, discovery is costly. One thing we have learned is that we always honor the relationship above the challenge, that we're going to walk through challenges in relationships, as whether you're married, whether it's friends, whether it's in church, with business partners, you're going to have challenges, but never be afraid of them. You know, John and I used to be so afraid of confronting hard things, but we're not at all. Why? Because we know that if we're willing to come to the table and honor each other above the problem, and we have problems. We have issues from time to time, but he's not my issue. We have one, but we work on it together. And I think when you make a commitment to God and to build relationships God's way, you can be guaranteed, not that they'll be easy, but they'll be fantastic. But it's going to take that investment. And so wherever you are today in relationships, I'm sure that every one of us have some relationships that are flourishing and then others that need a lot of work. And so I think let's not be afraid of having the most stunning relationships and doing the work because this is what Jesus said. He said, by this will all men know that you're my disciples, by the way you love one another. That is the mark of every Christian and believer, not how big our Bible is, not how well we can quote scripture, not, not how often we go to church. That's all beautiful. But the mark of a believer is how well we love one another. And that is always going to take a lot of effort and work. But I think when it's all said and done, it's going to be the best work that we ever do. So we can have great friendships. And you might be sitting here tonight, I just feel to say this, and you feel like you've just failed friends that you wonder if you can ever have the level of friendship or marriage that you've dreamed of. You look at your own life and you feel like, I don't know if I'm that great material. I want you to know that you are. We've all made mistakes. We've all done things that have been, been foolish and costly. But I feel like there's some here in the room that have doubted whether you could ever have the kind of relationships 
then maybe some of you are here tonight, you think, I wonder, I want to believe that I can really grow and at, be added to this church and be, and feel safe and can grow here because of what's happened in your past. There has to come a day, though, you say, my past doesn't define me, and what others have done to me doesn't define me. I'm going to believe the best for my relationships. I'm going to believe the best for my future. I am great marriage material, or I, I am a great member of the body of Christ. Whatever it is where the enemy comes and lies to you and tells you that you can't be that, I want you to know. If the enemy tells you you can't, you just know for sure that you can. And God will help you. You're not stuck for the rest of your life. Just get up, roll towards God, roll towards people, and you will find you are moving. Because to quote John Burns, there's a miracle in one step. Just one. You don't have to take the next million steps. Take one. And one step, step, and then another step will take you to where you want to go. And I look back at that prayer I prayed 20, no, 20, 39 years ago. That one prayer turned everything around. On the other side of it was a beautiful marriage, a beautiful family, a church. And, and it started with one step. And so I want to encourage you. God's waiting for you to take that one step. And there's a miracle waiting for you. Yeah. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. We pray it bless you greatly. Please visit us at www.colonialchurch.life for more.